please remember the views and opinions expressed by this show or any other show on DV Radio and its guests are strictly those of said individuals and do not reflect those of the DV Radio staff nor the staff of dysfunctional veterans. The following includes conversation relating to cryptocurrency. The information provided and discussed is strictly for educational and informational purposes only. Any use of any information has done so at your own risk. DV Radio LLC, as well as the hosts and guests of the show, take no responsibility if you wish to use any of the information in your daily life. Again, the topics discussed are strictly for informational and educational purposes only. I am Chris, the CEO. My name is Paul. I'm the COO. I am Chris, a.k.a. Little Chris, the Chief Technical Officer. My name is Zach. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer, better known as the Win Marketing Officer, because it never gets done, right? Of Affinity Innovations. Our long show, we will talk about Affinity, crypto in general, DeFi, blockchain technology, technology, uh, and just talk about anything, whatever the hell we feel like talking about. Get to know us at a little more personal level. Babbling nonsense. Is there cursing rules <laughs> or anything? No, you say whatever the fuck you want. I think they'd be more worried if you didn't curse. <laughs> Love these guys. Show me the money. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to, yes, another Affinity Protocol right here on WDVRDVRadio.net. And also, for the first time, we are streaming to our official Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash affinity DeFi. So welcome to anybody that is listening on either one of those mediums right now. Glad to have you here. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Yeah. Oh, bro, I'm tired. Yeah? No. No. Anything so. What? I said cold. (laughs) It's cold. Imagine of uh, Ollie Williams. I was going to say, Ollie, it's going to rain. Damn, man. Ooh, I forgot I was muted over here. I was about to say, come on now, all you need is four hours, right? Four hours of rest. You know the deal? Yeah, that's, that's, that's all I got. You don't need four hours of sleep, four hours of rest. That's pretty typical. But, yeah, so we were talking we were talking pre-show about the, the weather. See, Chris saying it's cold because we're getting some snow. It's starting to come down a little bit now. I have no idea what it's supposed to look like later. Apparently, uh, these guys do what I don't. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, let's come from the person. Let's come from the person who didn't even know we had a podcast this morning either. So, <laughs> damn. I mean, all the days is blended together. You live on the cake. It's probably gonna snow a little bit and then turn into rain. Probably. I hope so. I really, really hope so. This is, this is what's crazy to me. We are in Massachusetts, and it has snowed. This is at least here anyway, in my area. The second time it snowed all season. And the first time it didn't even stick or nothing. Yeah, it was like a little dusting, a little bit of grass got a little bit white on it. That was about it. And it's mid-January. I have a feeling that February is going to be absolutely awful with snow. Well, see, that's the thing. It could, it could go either way because we've seen it both times, right? Yeah. Where it's like what, February is just going to come fucking bend us over, right? Yep. Straight bend us over. Or yes. it's going to be just like November where we didn't see shit. No, I think rain. it's going to be one of the delayed ones where we get slammed in February. It'll probably melt by mid-March, and then we'll get a weird-ass snowstorm in April for no damn reason. Yeah, I can see that. I, I can see that. You know, it's funny. I was I was talking to uh, talking to my daughter the other day. I was like, I didn't think I never really thought about it. We have a six month period around here, half the year, where it could potentially snow, and it has snowed, right? But like usually around November to April, that's crazy. Yeah, it's a pretty big window there. Yeah. So, even even as early as October, I remember when I was a kid. I remember getting fucking. Uh, snow on Halloween, you know, every other year we'd get snow on Halloween. Like you'd have to wear jackets and shit over your costumes. Your costume was useless at that point. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and then still exactly. It's like October to sometimes April. So I think it's going to be swapped around. Like we didn't get anything in the early part of this year. We didn't get anything in November. We didn't get anything until really close to Christmas, at least up this way. 
Um, I think it's going to just be a complete opposite. Speaking of Massachusetts and weather, Massachusetts, well, I would say New England is like one of the only places that will get any and every single type of weather storm. Like we can get tornadoes, yep. we can get hurricanes, we can get snowstorms, almost everything, any type. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of as of recently, you know, the, the tornadoes, we haven't really gotten them like growing up. It was unheard of tornado around this area. Yeah, but the, the wind speed in this area be crazy, though. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. from my knowledge, out west, they usually get tornado warnings. Not frequently, but they get it more common than uh, out east. Oh, yeah. Dude, I used to live in the panhandle of Texas, and during, like, that, that season, like, every other day. I mean, like, western mass. Oh, they, even they get them? Damn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I remember it was, like, 20... Like 14, 2015, they got a pretty bad one in Springfield. Like, we were like in the middle of Springfield, a tornado spawned. Yeah, I remember oh, yeah. that. Uh, Washington State for me, kid. I remember that because the, 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 um, National Guard had to respond. Got activated for that. Oh, the Air National Guard actually does stuff? Hey, man. Oh, damn. I didn't say the Air National Guard. I said the National Guard. That's Army, bro. <laughs> no, he just took a jab when he could. Hey, man, look. You know when you walk by or you drive by like a construction site and there's always like, one guy watching? I'd rather be that one guy watching than the dude in the hole, you feel me? So. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't, don't ever, don't, don't, don't compare Massachusetts to Canada. Yeah, that's that's yeah, a whole nother breed. Yeah, yeah, y'all y'all got some different shit than us, man. I can't even say that. Like, we got some pretty crazy snowstorms, like three feet in a couple of days once. Yeah, um, far back as I remember, but I don't y'all know. get that constantly. Negative thirty Celsius. I'm upset. Yeah, I don't know what yeah, that shit's all about, man. Like negative sixty, negative fifty. I'm upset. Aiken, speaking of our friends of the north, um, but still in the U.S., for anyone that was watching the Mega Millions, no, Affinity did not win. Uh, some Someone in Maine did, so. Really? This was 15 minutes away from me. Yeah. 15 minutes away from me, so I'm fucking one. Damn. I was okay. gonna, when, when I seen that it was someone in Maine, I was about to text Chris and be like, hey, yo, your mom live in Maine. I right? know, right? Think it's- <laughs> <laughs> there was actually someone in uh, Massachusetts that won the four million pot. So a funny little story about that is a uh, so dispensary that's about, I don't know, so in between where the ticket got pulled, like it's about 10 minutes away, right over the border where I go to. And uh, there's actually a gas station in between. And sometimes if Kayla would go, like, if any gas, she'd be like, oh, stop here. But it's just a little bit more expensive in Maine than it is in New Hampshire. And I'm just like, Chris, I'm a, I ain't going to lie. I'm cheap. Uh, I'm like, no, I'll just wait until New Hampshire, right? And she gave me shit. As soon as that thing came up, she's like, well, maybe if you bought a ticket in Maine, then we probably could have won. I'm like, man. Man, did you explain to her that ain't how it works? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You would just disappeared. Hell yeah, I would have disappeared. What do you mean? I would have bought an island in Bali or some shit. How much, like, how much was it for? I don't even know what the jackpot was for. I remember paying like 1.3 billion. Oh, yeah, or billion, bro. Oh, billion. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. I'm walking away with at least 500 million. Catch my ass on an island Man. in Bali for the rest of my life. <laughs> He's gonna resign from school. He's like, yeah, guys, it was a run. Hell yeah, hell yeah, I No, actually, probably not. That would just give me an opportunity to help build the business at that point. Shit, I'm saying that much money. You see the largest green candle you ever seen in your life. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. <laughs> Hundred percent. You'd be like, "What the fuck?" That's like where all I can think about. If if like one of us was to ever win the lottery like that, all I can think about is that fucking like Bugs Bunny meme where it has like the the sickle in the background and says, "No, we." Must <laughs> so, be like, "Yo, yeah, well, I won the lottery. We won the lottery." Nice <laughs> uh, so, building in Boston for that affinity match. Right. Mm-hmm. Lines, new business, new house, hell yeah. Damn, you're crazy. You got me thinking now. That's messed up. 
I don't like thinking about that because it's, uh, you know, odds are in your favor, but. I watched a movie um, this past week. Well, I kind of watched those on, you know, how you watch a movie, but you do stuff in between. But um, it was about a gentleman. It actually had Brian, was it Cranston, the dude from Breaking Bad? Uh, had him and another lady in it. And it was about, it was based on a true story about this gentleman who actually found out the winning method to the lottery. Um, and him, and he ended up getting like a group of people. Of course, like they had, they ended up buying like 20, 30, 40, 50,000 tickets. And they would hit, like they would just pull people together, pull money together. And then they would go buy these 20, 30, 40, $50,000, you know, ticket wise. And then they would, they would eventually hit and they were doing it over and over and over and over again. Um, and they ended up competing with some students from Harvard who found out as well. Um, and the lottery actually ended up having to change their system because these two people were going back and forth winning the lottery all the fucking time. And they were just pulling together, pulling together, pulling together, having a competition to see who could win more money. Damn. Yeah. Must be nice. Hell yeah. Cut me in on that. Crazy. But anyway, so how about this market this week, huh? Uh, <laughs> I thought that's just a joke. So, like, my other half, she's starting to learn about this stuff too, like crypto, the market, all that fun stuff. We sit down a couple times a week to talk about it. And uh, this shit happened yesterday. I was like, we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about on Monday because uh, I don't even, I can't ever compliment everything that's going on right now. Yeah. It really makes no sense. I mean, some reports came back. Favorably, I, mean, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, is this sustainable? You know, obviously, we've already been led into a couple relief rallies already um, that have not gone in our favor, to say the least. So, um, you know, obviously, it does look like we broke some key resistance, the like the twenty range um, that we've been bouncing off one, two, three, four, five times, and uh, oh no. This is weird. And then we did, like, overnight, we did have that huge dip. Like, it went from 21 down to 20 again, but then I rebounded right afterwards, and it's been, you know, range-bound since then. So that's Bitcoin-wise, by the way. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking. And, and, you know, we got to also keep in mind, and and I'm trying to go back to basics with this, that, you know, for a while now, the crypto market, outside of any specific – big crypto news has been trending with NASDAQ. So I, I know sometimes you get caught up looking at specifically Bitcoin charts or whatever chart and, and, you know, analyzing that. And, you know, I spent years and years and years. And, and I know you have too, Zach, uh, you know, analyzing and, and, and really doing technicals with stock exchange. Well, using that, you know, technical knowledge on the NASDAQ, you can see certain trends happening. And and again, that's outside of any news, like with, you know, all the shit that we've dealt with, with these exchanges and and everything else outside of that. And then if some jackass from the SEC decides they want to play stupid games with, you know, whoever, uh, that's kind of outside of that, that can throw things in, in, in a different, in a different spiral. So, um, but just following the basic trend, you can see that with, you know, this uh, uh, capitulation and then, you know, it's going to have some more dips and, and peaks and valleys and then some accumulation. And then I, I feel like the spring's going to be good, uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, you know, but those are the kind of things you've got to remember that over the last few years, uh, or at least the last couple of years, especially Bitcoin and, and the entire crypto market for the most part has been following the NASDAQ pretty damn close. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I actually have it up right here. Let's see if I can't just share this right quick. I don't know if I... Which also plays into, obviously, all this this news. So make sure that if anybody's out there, like, really trying to get a, a pulse on the market, pay attention to, like, when, uh, like, CPI data comes out and job reports and all that stuff, because that affects, again, that affects the stock market, which is going to affect trends in the crypto market as well. So pay attention to that data when it comes out, global and U.S. data. Um, It it really does make a difference. Yeah, 
It does. Um, I actually think I might have do this and take this off. And it doesn't show. Never mind. <laughs> Love it. Good effort. Fantastic. I tried. Yeah, we appreciate you. Well, <laughs> stupid ass game capture. Yep. So, um, but yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And uh, obviously, with you know, sentiment wise, people have been waiting for a reversal. You know, I'd like to think that the overall eyes on the market have increased significantly. So, um, you know, definitely buy pressure when we do reverse is going to be a lot more than the last bull run and so on and so forth. As we continue to go through these cycles, we're going to gain more people. Yes, we lose people in the bear, but we gain even more people in the bull runs. Um, so, I saw another stat too that on Saturday there was something like 800 million shorts that were liquidated and that was the most since July of 2021. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Um, yes, I caught a little bit of that news yesterday. And that would have been like, that. that's the dip of that was the dip when we went from 63 down to 29. And we ran again. Yeah, and typically when when that does happen in the equity markets in the stock market, you see just what's happening right now. You'll see you know shorts get liquidated, then you'll see a, a price get driven down again. Uh, the big the big money trying to make their money back. Uh, yeah. So so they'll try to drive the market down again, uh, and then eventually they they swap out. They swap from a short position to a long position, and then they let the market run. Um, that's typically what happens in the equity market. So again, if this trends with that, well, you know, time will tell. Uh, but just based on history and technicals, that's usually what happens. Uh, so, you know, and while things are going up and down too, confidence, consumer confidence, also confidence in investing has to come back. Uh, it's been... A uh, little over a year now since things have really been getting beat up. The confidence level is still pretty low. So people are starting to dip their toes in. You'll see some more come back in. and But you really got to wait for that that confidence to fully come back in order to see any kind of significant move because obviously it's all driven by buy pressure. And anytime what what happens is the market moves 10, 15% with crypto. That's, that's standard, right? But in the stock market, a 10% move is, is incredible. Uh, but in, uh, in the crypto markets or any market, you see that, that move up and people get nervous. They're like, well, is this going to be sustainable? Should I take profits? And you'll see more profit taking, and then it will bring it back down. So until that confidence comes back, you won't see as many people, um, uh, you know, stop with the, the short-term swing trading and taking profits so quickly because uh, they won't be as nervous that this isn't just a short-term uh, either dead cat bounce or, or bull trap or anything like that. So, A lot of technical terms. I honestly think that we got the bull trap when B&B ran. That like that weird run up with FTX when they thought they were going to buy out not, not FTX but they thought they were going to buy out uh, what was that other one uh, Voyager? Oh uh, yeah, finance is buying Voyager. But they were going to buy out somebody else, right? And that fell on John. Binance buying FTX. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Binance buying FTX. That's what I thought. So um, when that happened and the price spiked, I felt that was a bull trap because if you look at that technically wise, it certainly looks like one. Huge ass green candle gets sold off immediately, left everybody hanging, and then we dipped pretty significantly after that until like what to two range. Uh, now, yes, we're running again, but whoever shorted at the top of that green candle was big, a big, big, big. Yeah. Yep. Side so note: It was FTX was then by Voyager. They backed out. And then Binance was won by FTX, and then they Binance backed up. Tracking, okay, that's what it was. <clears throat> yeah, and again, that's like that's like the equivalent of like some of these other big companies on the Nasdaq, like 
Apple or somebody talking about buying out, you know, I mean, because with Voyager, FTX, Binance, I mean, these are these are the top or were uh, <laughs> Binance still around, but uh, they these are the top of of the uh, centralized companies in crypto. So, you know, we're talking about like, imagine if this happened to some big giant you know, Fortune 500 blue chip companies on the NASDAQ, what kind of impact that would have on the stock market. So that's, that's why that kind of shit happens when, when, uh, you know, buyouts either are going to happen and fail or, or corruption like we've seen in FTX. So ban that person in chat, please. Uh, the spam. Can't do it for some reason. Still asked me to log in. And when I click on the chat bar, it has me log in. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, take care of it. Uh, at any rate. Uh, oh, there we go. Got you. Thanks, buddy. Gracias. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I'd like to think that, I mean, we've been in this downtrend for, what, a year and a half now, uh, roughly. It was November of 2021 when we started to reverse. Um, so in about a year and three months or so. so. Like, historically speaking, we probably have another three months or so left. Uh, that's just going by previous trends. But this also could be the start of a reversal. We may reverse a little bit, downtrend for a couple months, and then have our boom. Uh, but I really do think that this year is going to be a, a better year for the economy as a whole. Yeah, I think so. And again, even though it's in our disclaimer at the, at the beginning of the show, I do want to say it again. It's not financial advice. And we have no real idea what's going to happen. The market could take a shit or go 10x tomorrow. I have no idea. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's, let's be honest here. You know, I'm not a, I don't want to talk about politics, but we all know we get, we get the elections coming up pretty soon here. So true. that could be a, a huge factor in the market turning around to make true. a certain party look better than... Yeah, well, they're both they're both going to be struggling to look good. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, no, this, November will start the election year uh, going into that cycle. So, really, it starts at at the end of spring, beginning of summer is where they really really start. Um, but the actual calendar year, twelve uh, month period, will start. January, I'm sorry, November 2023, because the next election will be November 2024. Uh, right. So, I think we got primaries before that. Yeah, that's exactly, good. exactly. You know, like the election season is like Christmas, where it just keeps getting like earlier and earlier yeah. each time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why is my Oktoberfest coming out in July? <laughs> yeah same shit oh that was yeah cause what was it right after I think it was right after Christmas I started seeing like Valentine's candy coming in the stores yes. and I even seen some Easter candy yes like it's like what the why yeah I don't know man yeah all of the stores are flooded with fucking Valentine's right now yeah, I mean Valentine's makes a little more sense because it's only uh, you know a month away, uh, but it was like like right when the Christmas stuff started clearing the shelves, Valentine's, and then like I said, I even started seeing Easter stuff pop up, which is mind blowing because that's months away. But hey, man, it's like society. Like my three and a half year old, his birthday in April, and he's like, "My birthday soon." Man, well, soon is kind of relative here. Yeah. <laughs> My kid does that as soon as one thing is one, one event is done, she's on the next immediately. Like she'll ask whose birthday is next. She'll ask like whether it's a friend or family. She just wants to know what event is coming next. Oh yeah, we had, we had to do that leading up to Christmas. We were like, you know, no, we got to do Halloween first, and then we have to do yes. uh, <clears throat> Thanksgiving, and then it's Grandpa's birthday, and then Christmas. So like, see, like we get, we're eating Thanksgiving dinner, and he's like. So next is Grandpa's birthday, then Christmas. And we're like, yes, yes. That's, that's, that is accurate. <laughs> and speaking of birthdays, before we uh, move on to any other kind of talk, um, I do want to congratulate a friend of ours. I'm not going to say his name just because I know he's a private person and he didn't give me permission to on air. 
Uh, but I do want to congratulate one of our longtime uh, good friends for the birth of their healthy baby boy early, 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 early this morning. Uh, so congratulations. And uh, yeah. So. That's terrific. Get some sleep now. Uh, you, yeah, you say you say terrific because they went in to get induced on Thursday because yeah. it took them that long. Oh shit! <laughs> she pissed. Yeah, man. <laughs> induced on Thursday. Had the kid real early this morning. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> I pray that doesn't happen. Fuck. Yes. Yep. So much, much respect to her. And all women out there having children. A uh, lot of respect. Yeah, I'm all set. <laughs> all righty. Uh, so we did want to talk. We, we, we had a little discussion again um, earlier before the show on, hey, you know, it's been a little while since we kind of talked about some of the, the basics with crypto. We want to want to give uh, a little bit of a refresher or or... or Maybe even some things that we never even talked about or, or forgot about or glazed over uh, with some things that we've been seeing either around social media or in our chat or, or wherever it may be uh, on just some things like wallets, you know, how they operate and, and, and some blockchain stuff and tokens and, and all that good stuff. Uh, but we figured we wanted to take some time to discuss that because... The crypto market being even even as new as it is, DeFi even in much, much newer in its infancy, um, there still seems to be a lot of confusion <laughs> on really how that stuff works. And then when we're looking at uh, really the, the, the shit show that is uh, centralized finance with the, the central exchanges and trying to move people over to DeFi as much as possible, uh, understanding a wallet is, uh, is imperative. And and I think that's that's something that needs to be discussed. Um, so one of the first things I think needs to be kind of uh, talked about when anybody's trying to educate somebody on a wallet or uh, you know that conversation because what wallet should I download? What, how does it work? Uh, I don't, I don't want to get into too many like detailed technicals because that's not really what this show is about and, and it's about trying to keep things as simple but also as informative as possible but really I think one of the, the, the best things that we can educate people on is the fact that your wallet even though it's called a wallet uh, is not actually holding any assets currency tokens coins inside of that application. So if you're using whatever wallet you choose to use, Trust Wallet, MetaMask, SafePal, SafeMoon Wallet, whatever you want to use, that your actual assets are not inside of that mobile application or web application or whatever it may be. They are they live and exist on the blockchain. <laughs> and I know that's kind of a sort of an abstract kind of ideology when especially if you're somebody that's not really technical savvy or not you know uh, fully understand how blockchain works but I think when we're when we're talking to somebody especially a family member or a friend that's newly getting into it I, I think that's kind of one of the easiest things to uh, the ways to put it is that it's it lives on the blockchain your 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 assets are tied to the technology and the the, the programs that are, are existing there, uh, contracts or the actual chain itself being a coin, your wallet is allowing you to just see what you have. Uh, just like if you were to use a web browser, right? When you go to um, uh, whatever it is, we'll go to Facebook or Twitter or, or, or uh, you know, whatever social media platform you're using, that those platforms don't exist in your web browser. they you're using your web browser as a window to see what's on their servers. Uh, same thing with a wallet. You're using your wallet to see what exists on that blockchain, but is specifically tied to you in your private keys. So I hope, hope that makes sense. Uh, if anybody else has anything to add on that, on that particular topic, I'm going to shut up for a second. Let you talk. 
No. I oh, mean, you good. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, because we do, I, I who's going to say something? You going to say something, Zach? No. No. Um, I do see some, some comments on, especially on social media, uh, that people ask, Hey, what, how do I get my tokens out of this wallet? And, or how do I move? And, and that's, that's really why I wanted to address that. Cause I see that a lot and I've been seeing it a lot more. Uh, and when we go into hopefully, uh, what'll be uh, a recovery of the market, we're going to see more, uh, people come in that are new and we're going to see more people that are going to come into affinity that are new. Uh, and I think it's important that we keep people educated on these basics. Uh, the longer we're in, we take them for granted. Uh, we take the basics for granted on how things work and how they function. But new people, uh, they, they don't. They don't understand. Uh, and we want to make sure that they understand uh, how that stuff functions and works. So yeah, that's kind of uh, the wallet piece. Now, when it comes to the chain itself, uh, I'm going to try to, again, keep this simple with the assets that are on the chain. When we, when we discuss token versus coin, uh, again, I, I do see a lot of, uh, misinformation or misconceptions on, on what that is. Uh, a blockchain has doesn't always, but the ones that we come to love and, and trade their coins and, and everything else, just like uh, ADA or Algorand or Binance, or have their native coin. That is their currency. That is that is not utilizing smart contracts to exist. It just is native to the chain. So when they stood up that blockchain, they, they decided to have a currency on it to use for gas, to use for whatever else. That is the coin. A token is any asset that is what you'll hear referred to as layer two that is utilizing smart contracts that are developed, written in code. For example, on Binance and Ethereum, it is written in Solidity uh, that is deployed onto that blockchain on that next layer, that the layer on top of that blockchain. That is what makes it a token. It is utilizing the native coin as the underlying asset to back it. So when you're looking at the difference between a coin and a token, that is the major difference. That is basically what separates the two and what makes the two unique. Uh, they both have their benefits and, and, and uh, their, their cons. Uh, but, you know, for example, Affinity is obviously a token. We are a smart contract that is deployed on the Binance uh, network. What makes one better than the other? Uh, well, obviously, a coin on a blockchain that is very popular can be very, uh, it's, it's used a lot because it's used for gas, it's used for underlying assets, used for a lot of different things. Um, so it is, it's lucrative when it's a coin that is on a blockchain that is utilized a lot, like Binance. Uh, tokens obviously are, are beneficial because they gain the exposure and the access from said blockchain that is being used a lot. Where that could be a, a negative, and in some cases a very big negative, is when you have a blockchain that, and, and trust me when I tell you, there are hundreds if not thousands of blockchains out there that you don't know about. Um, I don't know about, most people don't know about because they stand up all the time. Uh, that actually have values that are less than some of the shittiest shit coins that you've seen on Ethereum or, or Binance or any other blockchain. Uh, because the problem with a coin that is on a blockchain is unless there's bridges or they're listed on a lot of central exchanges, it's impossible to get access to that coin except through the medium that that one blockchain sets up. If they have a website or something where you can buy directly from them. These are individual networks that we've talked about in the past. A blockchain is an individual network. This is why we're bridging to Algorand from Binance. Algorand is its own network. The only way to get there is either through a central exchange that is that it's listed on 
or through bridges. So if I'm going to bridge from Binance to Algorand, that's one means to acquire the Algorand asset or from Algorand to acquire the Binance asset. If bridges didn't exist and that coin was not listed on exchanges, uh, it would be damn near impossible to acquire that, that coin. So to backtrack a little bit, uh, with, with blockchains, although they are great, um, uh, you know, and there's a lot of, it, it, if there's a use case for it and there's a reason why it exists, there, they can be great, phenomenal and very profitable, but you got to be careful as well, uh, with just hearing a blockchain is releasing because again, if that asset can't be acquired or if there's no real use case and nobody's using it, the coin can be less profitable than some of these fly-by-night tokens that are even on on any other existing blockchain. So long story short, blockchain in itself does not automatically mean insane profits and, and crazy money because it needs to be utilized. If that coin is not being used just like a token, if the token is not being used and traded, it doesn't have value. Blockchains, individual blockchains make it even more difficult because somehow, some way you need to be able to get there, which is more difficult than acquiring a token on an existing blockchain like Binance, Ethereum, and so on and so forth. Does that make sense to everybody? Or did I just bore the shit every, out of everybody and uh, make y'all want to tune you probably, out? You probably bored the shit out of people, but uh, <laughs> the main... <laughs> The main takeaway from it, from you can you can talk about utility, you can talk about access to get on it, but the main thing that everyone cares about is the ability or the means to get off that chain, come back to fiat currency. Because until there's the super mass adoption of cryptocurrency and everyone is only spending crypto to do whatever the hell they want to in life, then all people really care about is they treat it like an investment. Money goes in, they either gain or they lose, and then they take money out. So just like you have all these other blockchains, like you said, that have not only no utility baked into them, but they don't have a way to access unless you direct purchase to, they're going to have, it's going to be deemed near impossible to, unless you're going through central exchanges, like you said, you have to jump through ropes just to go through the process of off ramp, get your money back. You can, you can invest in something and get a million times profit back. But if there's no way for you to get your money, there's no actual profit there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I do get it, right? Maybe you get on, maybe you got it, and then you're hoping for utility or something or listings or whatever to kick in in a year, two years, three years. That's fine. That's great. I never want to deter anybody from taking a risk or a chance on on some new uh, technology or something new that's going on. What this is about is just educating people, making sure that you understand the difference between a blockchain, especially a new upcoming and ex- or, or existing one, uh, and what a token is on an existing blockchain, uh, what those differences are so you can make those decisions going forward, whether or not you want to, you know, take part or, or take that risk, that leap of faith uh, into what's going on. Uh, What else? I know, I know there's a couple of things that we want to talk about. We talked about pre-show. What were we talking about? We didn't touch on it all. Chris, help me out here. Man, I'm trying to think. <laughs> I don't even talk about wallets. Uh, you did a little bit, but feel free. I mean, if anybody else got anything they want to jump in and talk about, uh, well, here's no, here's here's one because you because you explain things pretty well usually, and sometimes I don't. So I'm I'm gonna ask this question because this I haven't necessarily seen this question a lot, but when you see it, it brings up an is- interesting line of conversation, right? So yeah, you talk about wallets, you have to talk about, you know, smart contracts that are on a network and, and all this kind of stuff. How does a blockchain inherently store information? Right? Because so if you look at a, a yep. typical blockchain transaction, you get your transaction hash and stuff like that. The hash basically tell, it shows what the transaction is, but how do you look at the storage aspect of it? Cause you talk about with blockchains and how you have to stand up these nodes and how, you know, these nodes are processing transactions. Like how does the actual storage portion of a blockchain work in the rudimentary sense of what the blockchain is supposed to be, which is supposed to be essentially a, a large verification of a transaction and to verify that only one transaction has happened. 
Yeah, and that's no, that's good. And, and without going into too much stupid detail, uh, but it, just like you said with the validator node. Mm-hmm. So as transactions are happening, all these these validators are checking in, uh, checking in with each other to validate that transaction. And then once the nodes validate it, it gets added to the it gets the block gets added to that chain. Um, so if you think about it in a, you know, abstract visual sense, think about it in a literal chain, uh, the, the next link can't be added until the, the link that is currently being validated is validated. Once it's validated, the next transaction will get added onto that and create that chain, which obviously you can't go back, uh, and change anything that is in that chain. Once the link is formed, once that block is created, it moves on to the next. All the validators that are part of that blockchain uh, need to be in sync and need to validate and understand that they all get updated and they all know what block it's on and what transactions have happened. Uh, and that's how you get the security in the chain where you can say, okay, well, uh, there's, there's no way that this data is going to be invalid or anything like that. Where people have trouble, uh, with some of this stuff. And, and, you know, you look at, uh, like when, when Binance was, uh, had that at, um, uh, what was it? The, the, the issue on the BEP2 side. Yeah. And, and, and there was discussion on how centralized is Binance because, uh, it basically CZ just reached out to all the, the, the validators and said, Hey, uh, you know, let's do some maintenance. Uh, there are ways that if it's if it's more centralized that you can do things like having snapshots at certain times and, and roll chains back, uh, but you have to have control of enough validator nodes in order to do that. Uh, they didn't roll it back, but I know they did some maintenance, but there is, it is possible on a, on a blockchain depending on how it's set up and how centralized it is, uh, which is why it's important that we try to remain as decentralized as possible uh, when we're talking about, uh, you know, especially an entire blockchain, because you don't want that kind of shit happening. When it's an internal, see, that's important. When it, it depends on what the use is, right? There are, there are, let's not forget that there are private blockchains that are used for business. Uh, just like you have a business network or a business uh, uh, storage, uh, you know, you need to be able to take snapshots and roll it back for, um, you know, the sake of, of, uh, data, data security or, or preservation of data. So if it's a private blockchain that's being used in a corporation or a company that, that is, is utilizing it for data and, and whatever else. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be centralized as hell and that's important. But when it's used for, uh, you know, decentralized finance or, or things like that, uh, it's, it's not a good look. And that's where, where Binance is starting to get a little bit of eyeballs on it. Uh, and a couple other blockchains out there as well. I sort of like that. Well, and so the one of the reasons I asked about validation of transaction as well is because, you know, if we're going back to basics and we're talking about it, how many times have we seen when you have any kind of, uh, you know, good bull run market where there's a lot of complaints about a particular network being slow, like, oh, I click this button and it's, you know, there's no notification afterwards and, how many times do I have to click it? Do I know if the transaction's happening? You know, that kind of stuff. So just like you're saying, where all of these validator nodes basically have to understand, you know, what block is next and, you know, a transaction gets, gets validated, verified, whatever you want to call it, and it moves on to the next transaction. If a blockchain is getting just absolutely freaking crushed with transactions that will usually happen in either either a huge bull run or as soon as there's a a large dip and a bunch of people pulling the money out, it's going to lag the blockchain. It doesn't matter, you know, how great technology is, how great some of these validator nodes are and how technology has come, you know, in the last couple of decades, it's going to create lag on the blockchain. And we've seen it happen lots of times with Binance whenever Binance is having either a hot day or a bad day. So just wanted to throw that out there, especially if, you know, come spring, summer, you cross your fingers that we're getting back into a bull market and you start seeing the blockchain lag. Not saying that it's it's not going to be, but it's likely not somebody trying to scheme. It's just lag in the blockchain. I always say the blockchain, the, if you compare it to a normal internet network, like your home network, business network, they operate relatively the same. So just like if you have a lot of traffic on 
your home network or your business network, it's going to slow down. Um, you can, there's things you can do to help ease that burden, but no matter what, if there's a lot of transactions, there's going to be some sort of lack. Yeah. And, and, and right now, obviously the two, two biggest ways of validation, obviously, uh, include, uh, proof of work and proof of stake. I'm not going to get into the, the massive details on that. Go research that if you'd like. Uh, but essentially proof of work is mining, uh, that helps validate the transactions. Proof of stake is true staking on the chain, uh, that works with the validators. So that's actually staking the coin currency that is native to that blockchain in order to uh, assist in the validation of the transaction. So if you're interested in the details and the fine ins and outs of proof of stake versus proof of work, uh, go check that out and read up on that. Uh, but that also plays obviously a massive, massive role in transaction validation and plays into the speed of the blockchain. So I got a question for you, Chris, because we talk about uh, talk about use of of blockchains. How long do you think it's going to take for something like the medical industry to start doing stuff like storing medical records on something like a blockchain? It already happens on private chains. Correct. Well, correct. It it happens, but it's not like. Just like crypto spending isn't mass adopted. It's not it's not mass adopted. Yeah. You have to think about it in this sense. Uh, no matter how new technology gets, there's always the industry industries I should say is always gonna lag behind. Like for example, we we all served in the military. How much equipment did you use that were from like Vietnam or from the nineties that was still in use and probably still in use? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. That's how much <laughs> so, I can work for a private company and some of the embedded operating systems on some of the devices I work on are like Windows 2000. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's, there's going to be companies that have it in use and there's always going to be companies that don't have it in use. But I would say right now, especially from me doing like job searches and stuff like that, there are quite a few instances where I see that people are requesting like blockchain developers and whatnot because they have uh, private blockchains in the infrastructure. Yeah, but I think uh, to, to Paul's point, I I think probably three to five years away from, and I know that seems to be like this, the standard answer, right? Anything that has to do with blockchain, three to five years. Uh, but no, I really generally think about three to five years before you start seeing it more on a, a larger scale uh, where maybe even potentially it's public, publicly accessible through their private chain, just like Chris was saying with private networks. Uh, like, for instance, like with my doctors, I can go on a site called MyChart, and I can see all of my doctor visits, notes from my doctor, my, my charts and tests that I've had. Um, before their private blockchains get accessible by people so you can see your own records and files and all that, I think at least three to five years away, in my opinion, uh, before that type of thing happens, uh, I say more. More, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's I I say more based on technological, like you know, education growing up, right? Because like yeah. you know, we we make fun of you for being old and growing up during the times of AOL and having internet on a CD, right? Yeah. <laughs> but look at you know, look at what is what who's uh, like the largest demographic of you know use of the medical field is typically elderly folks, right? There's no way in hell in three or five years you're going to get people that are, you know, mid to late 60s now that are going to be able to understand, all right, so this is what's called a private key. To, to be able to view your records online at home, you have to go home and download this thing and put in this private key and keep it separate. Otherwise, someone else will have access to your medical records, and there's no way. Yeah, yeah but if it's, that- it's obviously centralized, so if they maintain the centralized, they don't necessarily even need to know that stuff's happening. It can happen in the background. I say, yeah, because everybody can everybody can access their public address and information. So if you just give, they don't have to hold. I mean, I guess if it is centralized, then obviously they probably don't have to hold the keys at that point either. Yeah, uh, and it's not like we're dealing with money here; we're just dealing with paperwork per se. Um, if they just have access, I mean, granted, it's all public information at that point. That's what you would run into is some people like 
having that secrecy. Some people don't like having all their stuff online, which again, with enough searching, it can be found. Right. But, um, something as deep as medical records, that stuff is usually just on a, you know, in a, in a file where your doctor places. Right. So I don't know. I say longer because, um, for one, how long did it take for the medical field, including the military medical field, to migrate away from paper to electronics? That took a way too long. Exactly. It took a while. Doing most, they're still doing, when I left, they were still doing paper. And yeah. the whole paper, like, um, the records department, at least in the fucking, the command that I was in, they hold paperwork for everybody who comes in. They hold it for seven years after they get out. So technically, That's, this is the year in which the, my paperwork is going to get burned. That's standard, uh, paper practice. You have to hold their records for seven years. Right. So like, that's a lot of fucking paper. That's a lot of paperwork that even to this day is still, you know, out there. And I don't know. It, it would, I agree. It would be hard to transition to. Um, I think first, like my, what my, what might be easier than medical records, a good jump is would be voting, right? If we can get voting on the blockchain first, that might be our first transition into getting other things on. See, Another thing I would like to add is, you ever look at the like the system that they input your information in? <laughs> That's that thing's like looks like it's Windows XP. It's awful. Yeah. So honestly, any <laughs> any front end that I've ever seen developed internally by the military has been awful. Just the the most convoluted fucking. I'm not even talking about the military. I'm talking about the civilian world too. You ever look at their system? It's old. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm the type of per- I'm the type of person to analyze everything. So I'll be sitting in the doctor's office and looking at the computer while they're inputting their information. For one, they always say their system's down. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you look at it; it's literally went like it, it's a new it's newer Windows, but they build it to look like Windows XP or Windows 2000, which yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, this just being ignorant of the software development life cycle. That's like in so in the Navy, your evaluations and granted it, they may have updated since I got out, but I, I find it very unlikely and here's why. The program they use to like write your evaluations in the Navy is called NavFit ninety eight ninety eight A. The reason it's called that is because it was originally developed for the use on a computer in nineteen ninety eight. I got out the Navy twenty nineteen. And they were still using NavFit 98A the day I got out. <laughs> Damn, 98 is when I joined, and I retired <laughs> two and a half years ago. <laughs> well, and, and I'd also I'd also like to point out that like I get it if you're like, well, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You're not wrong, but it was broke, bad, <laughs> and they just didn't fix it. So. Chris, you did a lot of uh, aircraft maintenance and stuff like that. You ordered parts and stuff like that, right? I did. Yeah, you ever use GCSS? No. God awful. God awful. Horrible. Like, anybody I know who uses it, they want to basically burn the developer to the stake. That's how bad it is. <laughs> I remember when we first, when I first got into aircraft maintenance, and they were using it pretty much through my entire career, but they did switch over to a more, uh, uh, more of a GUI based system, but we were using something called cams and that was all like command line shit to keep track oh, of God. aircraft maintenance. It was, it was pretty bad. Uh, I still remember the screen, you do a screen one twenty two, and it would give you all of the, the readouts for all the aircraft and what tickets they still had open and everything. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> it's pretty awful. Uh, yeah, it was all basically a terminal. Command line, dumb shit. Uh, but, you know, since we are running a little low on time, I do want to touch on something that Zach did kind of mention in Glazo real quick was voting on the blockchain because that's, that's been kind of a, a hot item discussion that, that falls to the wayside a little bit. I'm sure it'll be spurring up here again as we talked about the election cycle is going to be coming real soon. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, um, Back and forth on it. Like, I like the idea because obviously accountability and and uh, there's assurances that you can have through blockchain voting that you obviously can't have through paper and all these other machines that are constantly 
uh, either broken or there's speculation. I'm not going to get into the political side of things, but speculation that wrongdoings are happening. Uh, the blockchain would obviously allow for much more transparent voting. But kind of what Paul was talking about is is my my hesitation with its viability right now. And that is with how do you do it with private keys involved? Again, it would have to be extremely centralized. But then if you centralize voting too much, then you run into the issue of that we're currently having with the speculation of wrongdoing. So if you decentralize voting and allowed people to hold on to their keys, now you're, you're relying on an individual to hold on to or, or maintain their key. And what happens if they, they lose it or, or whatever, they can no longer gain access to it. Um, and then also if somebody, because we all know, uh, blockchains, uh, are, you know, transparent right they'll show whatever on there if somebody was to get your public key uh is there a way they'd be able to track your voting history uh and all that kind of information i'm sure that there's definitely ways i can think of a few that you could privatize it uh but do you think we are there kind of like the medical question do you think we're there sooner rather than later to where we could implement voting on a blockchain so i think you're you think a little bit too deep into it now um, you have to think about, we already have information that's privatized. Your license number, your social security number. So why not use things that people already know as a private key? Because not everybody has that unless it's a, a social security number. That is, the social security number is the only thing consistent that every voter should have. Well, when you register to vote, you, you're usually getting some sort of identification or a license. But you don't have to. Uh, every time I go to the voting place, they usually ask for identification. Uh, not uh, obviously, if you pay attention to national news, that is not yeah. the case everywhere. But I'm saying if <laughs> if we were to use something like that, use identification or um, social security number, that could be used be built into the system. Yeah, so uh, I guess full disclosure, we might run a little bit past our hour because this, this can be talked about a, uh, quite a bit. I know we won't have shelf for a lot, but I got a few things to to rebuttal back to what yeah. you said. Um, so A, the point of going on the blockchain is to publicize the votes. You know, I understand that some people don't want their vote out there, but as we grow, we have to change our ways a little bit. Um, and the only way that we're going to get a true count is if everybody's vote is out there. So if per se your public address only shows your voting history, then so be it. If you like Republican and you want to vote Republican and that's what you do, then that's what you do. And so be it for Democrat and Independent and so on and so forth. But to the degree of it's it's only supposed to, like Chris had said, you know, add some type of verification to it. Verify your vote. If it's not on the blockchain, if you do not have your name, your address, whatever you want or whatever it is that you have to verify to vote, if that's not attached to it, then your vote isn't counted. Therefore, we have a true voting system at that point. Um, it would do rid of paperwork. And this is, as Chris had said, uh, I've only voted once in my life. Frankly, after I did the first time, I couldn't care less. Um, but when I did, I had to verify. I had to show my ID and shit like that, which I know, I know the, the last election and shit, but that would eliminate that. All of those no votes that came in at three o'clock in the morning with different people's names and shit would all be gone. Right. So, um, personally, I think it would be a huge step and I think we are there. I really do. Obviously the ins and outs and stuff like that have to be worked out. And that's a little bit above my head, but I do think we have a means of getting it done. And I do think that that is a way in which that we can start implementing the blockchain first before medical or anything like that. One thing I'd like to add is public key. So like you were saying, what if somebody gets a hold of the public key? Well, normal blockchain, if someone gets help with public key, that's not giving any information. Yeah, it's showing your transactions. Yeah, but it's not, I don't, I don't know the person's name. I don't know their credit card information. I don't know anything. Yeah, you, you do if you know, if you know that public key is a, so we see it all the time where people grab, you know, <laughs> figure out whose public key is who and then they track their wallet. Look, so this, this, is, this is different from money, though. I think we're socially wise. We're at a point in this country that no one really gives a shit who you vote for. That is not true at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do. I'm 
take it as it is, but like honestly, I can hold at least it's just myself. I can hold a conversation with politics with almost anybody because frankly, your view is your view. But, and as time progresses, as time progresses, people will start to feel the same way. If you're independent, you're independent. Right. And if the only thing that is being shown is who you're voting for, I'm sorry, but that's not a big deal. It is. If you vote red, like red, it's not. It is. Maybe not in in a circle of friends or family or whatever, but when you really like get into business, you get into politics, a voting record and, and who you voted for. Uh, can make a difference. Like I know of situations where people have either been turned down for jobs or, or uh, it was detrimental to their uh, local political career because people found out who they voted for in the past. Is it wrong? Hell yeah, it's wrong, but it's real. It exists. Sure. Another thing I'll raise to you is what if you were to implement Randomized, pri- uh, not private key, public key for every time there's a uh, voting election. I okay. So it would still be tied to whatever identification. Let's just say for ease of ease of uh, idea of social security numbers, the private key remain the same. But every time there's a new election, where it, whether it's city, local, or local, state, or uh, federal, your pu- your public key gets changed. Yeah, and again, like I said, there's ways you can do that, and and that's one of them, uh, and that and that would work. But just in the last last couple minutes here, uh, aside from that, because the bigger issue I see is issuing, issuing the access to be able to vote, issuing either those private keys or 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 whatever it is. How would you envision that gets done in an orderly way, especially with as many people that. Uh, still don't have, you know, uh, they have limited access to, to either technology or whatever it is. How do you see that every person out there? Because, again, if you are a U.S. citizen, it is your right to vote unless you're a felon. You have a right to vote in our elections. So, well, you keep it simple. You maintain the uh, voting booths. You don't issue any type of technology. You don't vote from your phone. You don't vote from your computer or whatever. You still go to the voting booth and just like most states do it, you, whenever you go, you have to register to vote. And when you register to vote, that gets tied to your social security number. And then when you go to the voting office, you just do the verification process. You're not really, my vision is not, you're not really dealing with the public key. The public key, you don't see. It's just, something that's happening on the back end. The only thing that's verifying that you have to bring to the voting booth is whatever identification that you're using to prove who you say you are. All right. So my, my closing comment on this discussion for for today is going to be what I'm hearing is a a discussion that's been long before even this blockchain stuff is the, discussion and debate that's been going on for years on whether or not identification should be required to vote. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because I know we're over our time already. Plus that gets into a lot of political stuff has nothing to do with blockchain itself, but just to kind of circle back and, and give this, what I'm hearing so far in this conversation is the first step is to decide in this country to finally once and for all decide, should we be using identification to vote, yeah. yes or no. Be, it can be something as simple as a voter ID that you just go online and register for. You know, or you go to yeah. the DMV and you register for something that's simple, that doesn't obviously uh, ostracize like, people in lower income and poverty areas and stuff like that. But that's secure enough, like if you were to build into the blockchain, that's secure enough to keep, like, keep the vote count safe. Yeah, my comment's going to be, I'm sorry for bringing this up, kid. <laughs> Zach brought up the, the voting. Well, I, I, I started with blockchains for different different things. <laughs> but no, it's 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 a valid, very, very valid, because I agree. I, I think that's the way we should go and need to go. It's just, I think there's too many questions in my mind, at least anyway, and especially when you start involving governments and, and stuff. Uh, if it's not done right, 
it could end up being more of a clusterfuck than our current voting system, which, believe it or not, I guess is potentially possible. Uh, but, what are you talking about? Governments know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, I think, uh, does anybody have any last week comments, uh, comments or anything on that uh, so we can look to wind down this this show for the week? No, uh, not for me. Yeah. I hear the kid upstairs getting rambunctious. Yeah. All right, awesome. Well, there's no more on that, on the voting or anything uh, on those lines. We are going to wrap up this week's Affinity Protocol. A lot of stuff we discussed, a lot of good information. So please share this with your friends, family, neighbors, strangers, whoever. Let them know that we're here. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to just go around one more time. If anybody has anything else on any anything we talked about or anything else that they want to uh, discuss or, or add into last-minute comments, uh, do it now. Or um, I appreciate everybody tuning out. It's actually, I think, um, it didn't beat our record, um, but it did damn near get up there. So we appreciate everybody tuning out. I hope streaming it on both TV and Twitch helped out. Just making it more accessible for people. We're going to continue to do it. We may even uh, look into going to YouTube as well because um, each each medium has their own demographic of people. So. Um, everybody in here, we really appreciate you guys um, being here on your Sunday morning sitting here shooting shit with us and uh, we'll look forward to Affinity Friday this Friday and then uh, Affinity Protocol again here in two weeks yeah, what he said Chris, <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else you want to add? well, nothing for me alright, good well, we, again, just like Zach said, we appreciate everybody for being here, especially for our first time on Twitch, we'll see what we can do to expand it uh, thank you to Bo and everybody at DV Radio uh, for hosting us on dvradio.net uh, and getting our podcast up. And, uh, yeah, we, we uh, look forward to, remember, two weeks from today will be our next Affinity Protocol, 10 a.m. Eastern time, uh, right here, either on dvradio.net or Twitch, potentially YouTube in the future. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a great show. Appreciate it. Thank you all, and we will talk to you next time. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter.